Hey, y'all, we just got back. Lisa's in the house. She sure is. I'm in the house. Oh. Yikes. Tipping the house over. Oh, there we go. <laughs> there we go. That's that beautiful lady of mine. My best friend, my baby. And the enemy don't want me to teach today, but we're going to teach this bad boy today. Somewhere or the other, we're going to get yeah. to this message. And devil, you ain't got nothing on us. Mm. Trying to mess up our camera. <clears throat> I'll tell you what. We're going to pray. <clears throat> Father, in the name of Jesus, we bind the works of the enemy. He will not come in between this message. We will not get cut off of Facebook. The phone will not keep falling, which is now doing. And we come against Satan, the blood of the Lamb, and the word of our testimony. And we stand in our authority. We bind you, strong man. Step back and allow God's word to speak through me. That the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, Lord. O oh, your strength and my redeemer, let, Lord God, my speech be with grace, seasoned with salt, that I should know how to speak the word of God in this season. In Jesus' name, let the anointing of God be on me when I minister this word, when we're talking about anger, offense, sex, and money. These are the four areas, and I want to say amen. amen. These, are, these are the four areas that I want to actually cover, and right now I'm in the process, and God has me stuck on this offense because it's a little thing. Jesus says there was a little foxes that always comes to spoil the vine, messes everything up, and we just think it's nothing because we just take it for granted. Now, there's some scriptures on offense that I want to bring up to you. Um, but there's some scriptures I wanted to talk about in reference to the poor. Because the last time we were talking, we were talking in reference to the poor, poor people. And people, and I'm not talking about people that are just homeless. I'm talking about people that are struggling. Right now, this pandemic has been hell to a lot of people. Yeah, there are some that have been sitting up there collecting stimulus checks. Don't I don't think that. I don't know that you're greedy for the money, some of you, and you want to take advantage of the system. But there are some out there that are poor, poor, but they're not trying to take it. They're trying to do the right thing. Okay? Because if you're trying to get over, God's not going to let you get over. You're going to remain in your poverty. But if you do, do things the right way, God's going to bring you up out of that poverty. If you have the right motive and mindset, you're going to come up out of that poverty. Mark my word, I know. Been where you've been. If your motive is right, your heart is right, and you're sincere, and you work hard, and you speak the word of God on your situation, the little bit of money you pay, you give to other people. You try to help other people as well as you pay your tithes. But I want to mention to you, the tithe is only mentioned eh, maybe once or twice in the New Testament. But there are so many more, more scriptures about you giving to other people that are less fortunate than you. 
Jesus mentioned it more times than anything in the gospel. Okay? So, when I come across and talk about the poor, I want you to get this in your spirit because I believe that God is telling us in this last days to help each other. Like, if you're in a community and you're struggling and your next door neighbor is struggling, okay, and you're helping each other out, even though they may not have much, you may not have much, God is going to see what, see that you both make it because you're trying to come together in agreement and unity, which that's all God stands for. As long as the one's not out trying to outdo the other, as long as you really love each other, like Christ told you to love, and you, you give. They give to you. You look after one another like a family. God's going to see fit that you make it. And you're going to get more than enough. It's almost like planting a seed in somebody's life. When you plant a seed in the ground, you water it, right? Guess what? It's going to grow. So you speak the word of God is watering it. And you believe in the word of God. And you're sincere. And you're trying your best to make it. And I know there's some of you out there, you're not trying to use the system. You mean business. You're trying to get over the hump. But it just seems that you can't. Okay? Number one, this is what I want you to do. This is what I did. Stop speaking negative about your life. The Bible says in Proverbs 18, 22, that life and death is in the power of the tongue. And you shall eat the fruit thereof. So a lot of times, it's not the devil that's doing it. It's you that's doing it. Because when you speak the word that comes out of your mouth, your word is spirit. And all of a sudden, what you speak in spirit is transformed in reality. So if you say... I'm sick of that. Eventually, you're going to get sick. If you say, well, they ain't going to hire me. I'm black. And they're white. And blah, 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 blah. You're never going to get the job. See, you're speaking it into existence. Change the way you speak. Number one, change the way you speak. There's scriptures in the word of God. So want some of you that are struggling. And be consistent in it. If the Bible says, by Jesus' stripes, you're healed, in First, Second Peter 2.24, you speak that word no matter how sick you are. The spirit of the letter of the word gives life. John 6.63 says, Jesus says, my word is spirit and it's life. When you speak it, it comes to pass. You shall have whatsoever you say. Matthew 11, 23-24. If you speak to the situation to make it move, you have to believe what God's word says. If you do it on a consistent basis and you trust your God, it will come to pass. But if you sit there, oh, no, I don't know if I want to do this, then nothing, nothing leaves nothing, baby. 
not going to ever have anything. Those are the two main things I want to share with you before I get into this message. Because I struggle. But I was speaking negative out of my mouth, man. Please. Couldn't get nowhere. Oh, I was working hard, but it seemed like I wasn't getting nowhere. But didn't realize what it was. It was my confession. It was what I was saying out of my mouth. This is part of the prophecy. God wants you to be aware of what's coming out of your mouth. Be careful how you think, too. Okay? In your heart out flows the issues of life. You have God's agenda on the inside of you. But you haven't learned to tap into it yet. Because most churches are not going to teach you about that. Remember, a lot of them are misrepresenting God. All they want is your money. Not all of them, but most of them. Okay? Now, let's get back to this lesson. All right? We were in Luke chapter 14, weren't we? Yeah. Last time we left off. <clears throat> and I'm telling you this because I love you. I'm hardcore. Sometimes I come across hard shell on me. What I mean, well, because my heart is for you. Because I've been where you've been. Living B more. And let me tell you, when I started in B more, I left Texas broke. My cousin passed away of pancreatic cancer. I'm going to share this testimony with some of you. I was doing the ports in Baltimore. I was a truck driver out in Texas, both of us truck drivers, but I was struggling. Company took me out for my money in court. I ended up going back East Coast with the tail between my legs. I had everything I wanted. But a lot of the things, the reason why I hit rock bottom is because of my mouth. Because of certain things I said out of my mouth. And there's certain people that uh, didn't mean anything to me. My anger, my being offended, different things of that nature. I talk myself out of a job. I talk myself out of blessings. Sometimes we put our mouth on people because we're offended by them and we curse them out and we talk ourselves out of a blessing. Do you understand what I'm saying? God can put an opportunity right there in front of you and that person can be the next door opening for you. I didn't care about the doors being opening anymore. I just wanted things my way. I got tired of foolishness. I wasn't willing to go through the hardship and all that stuff. So I started talking. So I have, I was down and out where I had to sleep on my cousin's floor with a mat. Little whatever, what they call it, sleeping bag. And his girlfriend particularly didn't, didn't like me. As soon as I moved in there. I only stayed there like two weeks. So I had a little money saved up. Gave my cousin a couple hundred dollars. And um, started working through this agency. Day I got there. Got, actually got hired before I got there because truck drivers come a dime a dozen. So I worked for the sugar factory there, Domino Sugar, until they got me approved to work at the port because I had already put my application in. And I started from the bottom and I took the money that I saved I didn't know nobody in town but my cousins. That's all I knew. I didn't know zilch in Baltimore. 
I mean, I just knew my relatives that were from there. And uh, took me a minute to get back accustomed to the hood. So I want to share this with you. And uh, I started from rock bottom. I could have been homeless. My cousin could have put me out. But then I saved up some money. I gave them some money. And um, all of a sudden, his girlfriend kind of turned on me. My cousin said, well, I have to eventually leave. He'll give me a week and to leave. But I had some money saved up. So I found a room on the west side of Baltimore. And some of you Baltimoreans know this neighborhood, Shirley Avenue. <laughs> I was in the hood hood. But I was right down at the end of the block. You know where Leola College is at. I was right at the end of the block. So that side of the block was kind of middle class. Everybody was cool. The other side of the block was straight up ghetto. All right? So come to find out, God needed me with a landlord that owned the business that was actually from Beaufort, South Carolina. Blew my mind. Okay? I don't know why I'm sharing this, but I'm going somewhere with this. The Holy Spirit. I started praying in the Spirit before I started teaching the message. But I'm going to share with you my life. It wasn't always pizza and cream. I had to bust my butt. But I'm not a lazy guy. And she opened the doors to me and my family is from Jasper County and Beaufort County, South Carolina, where her family was from. Here I come. So Ended up getting a room up upstairs and, and um, saved my money over the course of a, a year, maybe a little bit less than a year. So I worked at the port and made my money. I'm not going to say how much, none of your business. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you something. I lived that life, but during that life while I was struggling, I helped out people. People, my neighbors were in the next rooms, and I tried to help them out as much as possible. And I, and I bought extra food. Sometimes I would cook for the whole house because we all shared the same kitchen and we shared two bathrooms in the place. Everybody had their own room, though, separate. So by doing that, God started blessing me on my job. I wasn't looking for no blessing, but the blessings came, and I had enough money for me to move out of there. So I moved in my first apartment. From there and then met some people and got into the music thing and all of this. But I wasn't, I was kind of one foot in, one foot out with God. Had a relationship with him. And I still tried to do people fair. And um, from there, after maybe a year and a half, I got my first home in Baltimore. First house. Single man, not married at the time. Um, in between... Divorces, let's put it that way. I was something else. I was a piece of work. So I'm not going to camouflage my life because most of y'all know what the deal is. Some of y'all can't even keep a relationship for one or two weeks because you get offended. And I've been there. And you almost didn't have the one I'm with right now because I was running my mouth and angry and getting offended. Okay? Both of us. A lot of us were. So when you go through that, you have to learn to take offense. And there's a lot of times you better to bite your tongue and keep your mouth shut. Let it go. 
Cast your cares. If you're holding bitterness against the person that hurt you, go to God and ask for forgiveness. That's what I did. But some people would cross me the wrong way there. I had a situation where after my cousin died, I got cheated out of the place where I was living. The guy that was said he was the landlord wasn't really the landlord. The original landlord, the real landlord, showed up after two years. So this guy was ripping me off out of $1,200 a month up to two years. The first lady ripped me off and didn't want to take care of the mold and mildew that was in her basement that was killing my cats and making me sick. I had to take her to court, and I won. This cat, I thought he was legit. It wasn't even a legit landlord that owned the business, and it wasn't even a legit realtor. They were just scamming to make money. So I ended up back on the streets again. Okay? Most of it was because of the anger. The offense. When I could have had better opportunity, I let the situation get to me. So I missed it. This is how we miss it. When God sends people and we come out our face the wrong way. Because we misunderstand things. We don't take time to listen. Because we're, we're accustomed to having it this way. When it's not supposed to be this way. And sometimes God is just allowing you to be tested. Just to see if you pass the test. To see if you overcome. He gave you the opportunity. But he wanted you to be nice. But you became mean. Because it was a person camouflaged. That was coming to give you a blessing. Because you didn't maintain your cool, you blew it. So you end up staying where you was at, in the dumps, like me. See, you learn from your mistakes. Some of us don't learn. Some of us are hard-headed. We don't get it. And we think that life owes us something because I'm a black man. Or life owes me something because I'm a patriotic white man. Oh, life owes me something because now I'm an American and I come from a foreign country and I have just as much rights as another person. Nobody owes you nothing. Not because you're black. Not because your family went through slavery. Nobody owes you a thing. Because you haven't traveled to see what the Chinese and what some of the Africans got to go through and what some of the Arabs got to go through. And what some of the Jews and the Palestinians have to go through in their country compared to what the black people go through in this country. You hadn't really been through anything to see the Holocaust, to see the Jews go through a gas chamber, the whole family, and they all get tossed. They don't even have a formal funeral for them. They just took the whole family and dumped them in a hole and covered them. And they're somewhere in Germany, somewhere. India, go to Bombay, come back and talk to me. Hmm? Some parts of Germany, Paris even, which is equivalent to New York, but they speak another language. You want to go to France because you, oh, we heard about the fascists. We heard about the food. But let me take you to the hood in Paris. take you to London. Oh, we can go to London. We can go to Bond Street. We can go to Piccadilly Circus. Let me take you to Hackney and Peckham High Road. 
Let me take you to Brixton, some of the rough areas, show you around to see how it is compared to the United States. Let me take you to Lagos, Nigeria. <laughs> Let me take you to Accra, Guyana. Let me take you to some of the slums. Oh, I've been to the Bahamas. They have nice beaches. Oh, but I didn't tell you about the south side of Nassau, did I? Something you don't know about. See, there are people struggling just as bad as you. Another place, Kingston, Jamaica. Oh, I've been to Jamaica. They only took you to Montego Bay to keep you away from the hood, baby. They only took you out to St. Catherine and St. Anne off the beach to keep you away from the hood. You haven't been nowhere. There's places in Mexico that will scare you. There's places in Texas that will scare you. I lived in Texas. There's places in California. Let me take you to East Oakland. Come with me. My daughter was born there. Okay? You haven't seen nothing yet. You understand what I'm saying? So, offense is going to come all the time, anytime. I'm trying to show you different facets that you're not the only one going through some suffering and going through some offense. That's why Jesus says offense is always going to be there. But woe to the one that brings the offense. Eventually, offense is going to come because you have to get over it. You can't take unforgiveness to the grave, would you? You're going to die in your sins? You, you think that little thing that you, that grudge, little grudge you had against your brother or Uncle Charlie from molesting you when you was a baby, when you were little? You think you can't get over that? You can't get over that? You can't forgive Uncle Charlie? devil got something for you. He's going to bust you. God, don't feel sorry. Because he allowed you to go through that to see if you could overcome that. The devil tried to use it as demise and tried to destroy you. So you will keep holding the grudge until you bury yourself. But God is trying to come in your life. Jesus came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Not this, but the whole spirit, man, dying to this. Because this is not the real you. The real you is your spirit, man. So you got to get over that anger. You got to get over that oppression. You got to get over being greedy for money. And some of you little sex teams, like I used to be, you stop that mess, man. You need to kill that noise. Because I'm telling you, in this last days, Satan is playing for keeps. He's trying to take us out of here before you find out what your God-given purpose is in this earth. Now, let's get back to the word. Where was I, baby? Luke 14. Luke 14. Where were we at in that verse? Mm. Let's go back to verse 7. Mm. Luke 14, verse 7. Let's talk about the people that are struggling. Okay. And this, it, it, let's deal with this, not just the church, the society as a whole, man. Because God wants to speak to the masses. He ain't just speaking to the church. Your church, you should already know better. We're going to speak to the masses right now. Go ahead, sis. Jesus noticed how some of the guests were choosing the best places. Mm -hmm. So he told this parable to all of them. Remember this one? When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do this... not sit down in the best place. Mm. It could happen that someone more important than you has been invited. Someone more important. Mm -hmm. And your host who invited both of you would have come to you and said, let him have this place. Uh -huh. Then you would be embarrassed and have to sit in the lowest place. Offended. Offended. Listen to what it's saying. Read. 
Instead, when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place. Humble yourself. So that your host will come to you and say, come on up, my friend, to a better place. There you go. This will bring you honor in the presence of all the other guests. Because you respected them. Mm-hmm. You sat back. You didn't try to jump up front. You waited for them to call you, to beckon you, call you. And you humbled yourself. That's the correct way. That's God's way of doing things. That's Jesus' way of doing things. Humble yourself. I mentioned my mother's um, anniversary. I didn't try to poke myself. I was working. Mother said she needed me to help her out with the food, with the ushering, with the seating, with the with the sound. I was a four man four man crew by my wasn't I, boo? Ooh, yeah. Don't bother me. I work hard anyway. Don't matter. I'm sweating up a storm in my white shirt. I come back out. I go back to get ready to sit in the audience, and mother bid me and my wife to come up, sit in the pulpit. Give honor where honors do. That made me feel great. But I'm not really looking for that. If I do that work, I'm doing it like I'm doing it unto the Lord and because I respect my spiritual mom. I'm not looking for no glory for that. I'm not looking for no pat on my back. Even though God, because I'm humble, he has exalted me. I still remain humble. Because I love you guys. So that's why I come at you the way I come at you. Sometimes I'm hardcore. Sometimes I'm gentle like right now. To some people, I'm very offensive because they don't understand my heart. Hmm? I love strong. I was raised up in a household where people were strong. And you have to be strong-minded and strong-willed in order to make it. You can't be no wonder in my household. To be a Johnson, to be a Deloach, uh-uh. We don't raise wimps. We raise people that get up and make something happen. I don't give a darn if you're black, white, Spanish. If you're in my family, we make it happen. If we're down, we get up. And we're the type of people, we ain't going to ask you for no help. But sometimes you get put in a situation where you may need it. Read, baby. For those who make themselves great will be humble. Mm Mm-hmm. And those who humble themselves will be made great. Did you hear what she said? Say it again, baby. For those who make themselves great will be humble. Will be humble. And those who humble themselves will be made great. Will be made great. Learn your lesson from what Jesus is teaching here. Okay? Philip, what's going on, buddy? It's my other homeboy from New York. Read, baby. What else is coming up Then Jesus said to his host, Mm -hmm. when you do give a lunch or a dinner, Mm -hmm. do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors. You know how you get the family reunion going on? You got the pots rattling. (laughs) Big old grandma, big pot. I got a couple of them up here. Copy off my grandma because she taught me everything about the kitchen. Old man cook. But when you get together... Try this one time in your life. Try, try, just try it. Don't invite nobody in your family. Don't even invite your friends. Don't invite nobody that you know. Go out to the homeless people. Go out to people that are struggling. Maybe a, another family is in the community that just came in the community. They're struggling. They're, they're not there yet. If you Try this one time. Invite them to come over. Get to know them. Sit down and have dinner. Cook a dinner for them. Sit down and discuss their life. Let them open up and talk to you. 
See, sometimes God wants you to deal with the poor on a one-on-one -on -one basis. Because there's things that you don't want to talk about, put your right or not right or wrong. You don't want to put this person's business out in the street. You know what I'm saying? You want to sit down and talk to them and get to know them on a personal basis. And dudes, don't be trying to get in their pants either. None of that. Sisters, don't be trying to get no husband. Just sit down and have a decent conversation. Get to know them. You understand? Feed them. Read, baby. Do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors, for they will invite you back. And yeah. in this way, you will be paid for what you did. See that? When you give a feast, invite mm. the poor. Invite the who? The poor. Invite the ones that are struggling too, right? The crippled. Cripple. The lame. The lame. And the blind. And the blind. And you will be blessed because they are not able to pay you back. They're not able to pay you back. But, 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 but wait a minute. They got to pay me because I paid all this money for the food. You self-righteous son of a gun. You need to, you, you need to throw that mess away. You need to change your heart and have compassion for people. Because how did you get to where you got to now? People helped you to get to where you are right now, but you took that for granted, didn't you? Now it's time for you to help somebody else. Now that you got yourself together. I don't care if you just middle class, but try to help somebody out. Stop being so self-righteous, man. Sisters, because you got that hunky-dory job and you're making six figures. You got the nice condo. You got the nice ride, but you're lonely. You know you're lonely. You want a man, but you don't run most of your men away because of your arrogance and because you're a offensive, very offending person. Some of men don't. You talk about, oh, you want this black man. And God done sent you three or four black men, sisters. Especially, I'm talking to some of my black sisters and even some of the white sisters and even some of your Puerto Rican sisters and Spanish or whatever. And God sent you three or four men. And they were right for you, but you didn't want them. Then all of a sudden, you get this handsome man that you really want. And he lets you down. And you find out later, you thought you was a match made in heaven, find out he wasn't the one. And all he was doing was hiding behind hmm, his riches, saying that he had money like you, but he was steady emptying out your bank account. He was sending everything out your bank account, trying to use you. Oh, brothers, you dealt with these sisters, and all they do is talk about together. Every time they get together, yeah, that nigga, he got money. Yeah, I'm going to get with him. But then when they get with you, brothers, they play that role. Oh, yeah, I'm going to cook for him. I'm going to do all this for him. I'm going to psych him out. And then offense comes in the relationship. Next you know, she's backing up out of there with your paycheck, dude. And you have to start from rock bottom again. I've been there. I know. Blind. Like a bat. And they robbed me blind, man. I'm telling you. Left me with nothing. Messed up the whole relationship. One of them was married to, to, to her first husband the whole time she was married to me. Didn't know it till two years after. Hmm? Got had. Hmm? Stuff happens. Hmm? So, in this, 
you're going to have to consider the poor. It can't be just you with your lavish lifestyle all the time. Invite him to the house. See what happens. Invite him to dinner. And, and don't come with no corned beef hash, welfare corned beef hash, baby. Trying to feed him like that or that salmon in the can. Go to that store and get the real pink salmon. Not that fake or that, or that hamburger that tastes like a sponge. Remember that nasty hamburger we had? <laughs> ah, ah, ah. That nasty thing. I said, baby, baby, take that thing back to the store. Let's get some real Angus burgers up in here. <laughs> I'm telling you, don't be feeding them no cheap food either. Take out your best. Pull out them collard greens and ham hocks. Sisters, you know how to cook. Cook that fried chicken to perfection. Don't sneak to no Colonel Sanders either. Don't go to Bojangles, because they're going to know. Some of them go to Bojangles and be begging for that food. They know what, it, what that food is. Cook them the best, man. Don't be sitting there playing games with no, the people like that. Treat them like they, with some respect. Like you would want to be treated. Like you would want to be treated. Remember how you were struggling? Remember how people was there for you, and you had that welfare peanut butter? Slapping it on them rich crackers and stuff. Remember how it was back in the day? See, I already know. Just because I got it together now don't mean I wasn't poor. Remember that big old block of cheese? Oh, my goodness. And it stuck all the, all the be darn. That big old, big old cheese head cheese from Wisconsin welfare. It's had the big old thing, silver thing, and it told you it's welfare cheese. On the thing. Do you remember that? Yes. Don't give him no cheap cheese. You better go to the store and get that fromage, that real expensive Kraft. European stuff, craft stuff. Get him, give him the real deal. Throw that mozzarella cheese, that Italian stuff on that pizza right there. Bam. Mm. Hit it. When you come, don't be coming with no fake farm fresh fridge. Get the fish straight from the sea. Get the real deal. Okay. Serve them like they are special. That's what God told me to Change the way you think about people. Change your attitude. You can become a better person because of it. See, some of us got in the way. We forgot where we came from. Mm -hmm. We forgot where they came from. I came from Jamaica, Queens, New York. My parents worked very, very hard to get where they were to get to Queens. I remember we lived in the ghetto in Brooklyn when we were babies. Coney Island section. Beth Stuyvesant, which used to be the hood back in the day. It's the worst area in Brooklyn to live. And even today, to a certain degree, but now the foreign people done came and took over. Now, baby, go, go back and read this. I'm going, I'm going all up in the left field up in here because I got plenty of time to teach. Go ahead. The last part of that verse says, mm -hmm. um, God will repay you on the day the good people rise from death. God will pay you That's back. the end of verse 14. Why would he repay you back? Because you gave to the poor? Because you had dinner with the poor? Because you established a relationship with somebody that was less worthy than you? Because you went to a neighbor that was struggling from paycheck to paycheck with all these little kids? And you went out and you helped and you bought them groceries? You mean to tell me you brought them to the house and then God's going to repay you when? On the day the good people rise 
from death. Oh, so when we rise up, when Christ comes back for this church, God said he's going to repay you at that time. And see, that's special if he repaid you at that time because here we're in time. There's going to be an eternity. eternity. It's going to be forever. Hey, John, what's going on? There's going to be an eternity. So you need to look out to your people. You need to look for your people in your hood. Try to help them out. You might be doing a little bit better. But to look out for, 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 grandma, for the old lady right there. Walk across the street. Hey, you need anything? Hey, I'll be available to help you. How about somebody old in the neighborhood that can't get around? Maybe give them a ride. They don't have transportation or something. You know what I'm saying? Be of some help. Now, what else is there, baby? What else is in Luke? Verse 15, when one of the guests sitting at the table heard this, he mm -hmm. said to Jesus, mm -hmm. how happy are those who will sit down at the feast in the kingdom of God? Okay, so when he said that, I think it was Peter that opened his big mouth, because he's good at opening his big mouth. And he says, oh, they thought it was just a little story, but Jesus was talking about life in general. If you help out poor people, period, you're going to be blessed. So he said, oh, thank God that person's going to be blessed in, 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 in the feast of God. But he's not thinking spiritually. He's thinking naturally here on the earth. So here comes Jesus with another little story. And I want you, I want you to listen to this one very, very carefully. He, made a, he makes his parables, but they pertain to what we're going through in life. Check this. Jesus said to him, there was once a man who was giving a great feast. All right, what, what verse is this, baby? Verse 16. Chapter 14 verse of six, Luke. Mm -hmm, verse, 16. verse 16. Okay. Read. There was once a man who was giving a great feast Listen. to which he invited many people. Many people. Uh -huh. When it was time for the feast, he uh -huh. sent his servant to tell his guests, come, mm -hmm. everything is mm -hmm. ready. Come. But then they all began one after another to make excuses. Wait a minute. They all did what, baby? Began to make excuses. If somebody fixed me a They were invited to a good dinner. Good dinner? Well, what did they have to eat? Uh, steaks? They had... Lobster. Lobster. Steak. They had fried chicken. They had fried chicken. They had collard greens. They had ham hocks. They had sweet potato pie. They had sweet potato pie. Cake. The ladies' favorite, red velvet cake. All the ladies love red velvet. That's right. My spiritual mama and my mama loved my wife loved mm -hmm. the cake. Okay? They turned down the feast. And it was all free. And it was free. They, they, didn't, they, didn't, have didn't, want, they didn't have to pay nothing. They were invited to come. All these rich people. Guests that they knew. Read, baby. What happened? But they all began one after another to make excuses. One made, they all after another made excuses. Now, Jesus was actually talking about this. The first one told the servant, I have bought a field, and mm -hmm. I must go back and look at it. Please accept my apologies. So, the first one had an excuse. He had to go back and look at what, baby? His field that he just bought. He bought some property. Came into some land. So, he came into some land. He came into some money. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, so he had go. to skip the free let meal. Let one skip the free meal. Next one. Another one said, I have bought five pair of oxen and mm. are on my way to try them out. Please accept my apologies. So I done bought me a brand new Cadillac. He had a fleet. I had a fleet of, fleet of Rolls Royces and stuff. Mm -hmm. Got to check out my nice cars and stuff. Hmm. 
Gotta go show them off. Go show them off. Got I got my, my motorcycle, my tripod. I got a chopper sitting up here. I got my big truck now. My brand new Western Star 2022. 18 speed transmission. Big, I could haul anything. I could roll up the mountains in this 53 thing. 53 foot trailer? Had to be about $68,000 on that bad boy. Mm -hmm. Had a 53 foot trailer, yeah. All that money. What happened to the third fool? He said, I've just gotten married, and for that reason, I cannot come. Wait a minute. He just got married? married? Okay. Let, let me go back and rephrase. That man that was telling you to come to the feast, it was God. Jesus was talking about God telling you to come to the feast. A feast is a representation of work or representation of, let's put it this way, the word, food, the word of God. Filling. Filling. So these people that he asked to come to fulfill the call of God on their life, which is the feast, Get what I'm saying? Let me, let me give you the, 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 the thing of the parable, what Christ is trying to say. The ones that knew Christ, God blessed them. That's the first one, what? Property, right? Property. Had big house, everything, <clears throat> and all that. All of a sudden, God wanted him to come and fulfill the call of God on his life. Yeah, I bless you. Now I want you to go back and bless others. I want you to go back out and reach out to the poor people. I want you to come and feast with me. Sup with me. So you can go out and touch other people's lives. And he had an excuse. His land was more important. His riches were more important. Like some of these people in the church today. They forgot where they came from. They're living off them with that lavish life. Everything's cool now. God done blessed me, so now I'm going to forget God. I'm going to forget my calling. I'm going to be like Esau and sell my birthright. And let Jacob take it away. Now I have no purpose. Nothing going for me. I just live this life just to get the blessings of God. And that's all I was in it for, was just the, the blessings. The praises go up, the blessings go down. That is so corny. That is so flipping corny. I get sick and tired. How you doing, sister? Oh, blessing, highly favored. Sitting on your job, acting arrogant. But you can't even help. You can't even come to the feast. God, he's telling you to come on and get, press in, pray, come and eat. The word of God. Come and replenish. Come and get more of me. So you'll know your calling. But your property is more important than God. But you forgot where you came from. You wouldn't have had the property if, if, it, if it wasn't for God. Then the second fool, what, did, what happened, baby? Came into five pair of oxen. Came into big cars. A fleet of Mercedes. Fleet of Mercedes business going. Everything going nice. 
Limousines, baby. I'm rock, I'm raking in the dope. I'm all right. Nah, I, I, I don't want to be a pastor. God didn't call me to the ministry. He didn't call me to give up everything. I'm not ready to give up everything. But you gave up everything when you didn't have nothing. And God took you and made something out of you, but you forgot where you came from. I'm talking to my church folk. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm talking, I'm, I'm coming at you. You forgot. What about the third one? What about the third fool, baby? He just got married. He got married. Really? I thought that when people get married, boo, what did we get married for? What did I tell you when we first got married? We got married for the, to do the purposes of God together. So what is your excuse not to come together to, with your wife to do what God called you to do? Two are better than one. Two is better than one. So you just got married. So that wife is more important than God. When she should be following you to God. Brothers, let's get this. Let's get this. This is kind of retarded, right? Am I right, boo? This man got to be out of his mind. And God made them rich. They were poor. They had nothing. And, make, and all of a sudden, now you're seasoned. Come on. Come and suck. Excuses. This is what the church is doing now. This is a prophecy. This is a prophetic word. If you don't get off your rear end and spend time with God in his presence, supping with him, eating with him, spending time, you're going to miss it. You're not going to hear his voice. You're not going to be able to know your direction and where you're going to be going. And you're going to miss it because of your riches, because of your spirit of office, and because of your arrogance and your pride. Listen to what I'm saying. What happened after that, baby? The servant went back and told all this to his master. He went back and told God. Jesus went back. He tried to he tried to intercede for him. Please, God, I died for them. But he had to tell God, right? Mm -hmm. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. What is Jesus' job? He's sitting at the right hand of the Father, praying for us down here. While we lagging lollygagging around, playing games. This is Jesus giving you a whole realm in the kingdom of what it's like in heaven and how God sees us. And when we get ready to be called to something. This is all this is. It's a parable about that. You don't understand what I'm trying to say. Now, check out what happened. The master was furious. God was angry. And he said to his servant, hurry, hurry. out to the streets out and to the, the streets, alleys into of the, the town. Into the alleys of the town. And bring back the poor. Bring back who? The poor. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. I thought these rich people and these name and claim it people were the ones who were supposed to have been fulfilling the will of God. What happened, baby? He said, go out in the street and get who? The poor. The crippled. The crippled. The blind. The blind. The lame. The lame. The less comely. The less comely? Wow. Go out in the street and get them. Get them. So, let me tell you something, people of God. 
When you look down at people in the streets, when you look down at the drug dealer, when you look down at the prostitute, when you look down at the people with tattoos on their back and the earrings in their nose, when you look at the ones with the fancy braids in their hair, and, and, and some of them, they're they, they ashamed, but they're out there flaunting their stuff because they don't know what you got. You haven't gone after them. You condemned them. You ignored them. But guess what? God's going to do a switcheroo. The first will be last, and the last will be first. Some of you already lost some of that during the coronavirus, which you had. But God's doing a flip mode. He's going after the poor, the blind, the crippled. The ones that you talk down to, that, that drug dealer nephew that you used to talk bad about in the street, now is going to become a preacher. That prostitute that you, you oh, she's always whoring around. Now has become an evangelist. You get what I'm saying? That homeless man down the block got himself together, washed himself up. God turned around, blessed him with a wife, blessed him with a job, got established, and now he's building a church. That's what's going to happen. And God's going to do it and not even ask your permission. It's going to flip just like that. It's going to just like that. And you're going to be sitting there with your mouth wide open. Wait a minute. But, but I was in the body of Christ. How did they pass me? Because when it was time for you to come and spend time with God, you were sitting on your riches. You didn't care. You didn't care nothing about the poor. You didn't care about hearing from God and getting any kind of direction to touch other people's lives. It was only about you, 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 you. You were advertising your ministry. And you were advertising you, but you wasn't advertising the Lord Jesus the Christ. You wasn't advertising the love of God. You were just trying to jump up there and prophesy over, prophesy over somebody and get rich. So now you in the dumps. Now the real prophet's going to come forth from the hood. The real prophet or the real evangelist and the real apostle that has a really a heart after God because they didn't have nothing else. Now that God called them to the supper, it's like Peter said, Jesus said, hey, if you, if you don't drink my blood and eat my flesh, remember that scripture? You shall, you can't have none of me. If you're not willing to sacrifice, that's what he was saying. But they didn't understand what he was saying. And many walked away. Jesus turned to his disciples. Make like my wife is my disciple. Come on, baby. Make like my wife is my disciple. So, you want to leave too? You want to leave too? I not. And what Peter said, Peter said, Lord, we don't even know where to go. What, what, where shall we go? What should we do? We gave up everything for you. Hmm. Now what? It's the same thing. If you give up everything mm -hmm. to him, he'll give you back houses, lands, cars, anything you need according to his riches and glory. All you got to do is seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and turn your turn around, make a 360 degrees turn and your life will be turned around for the good. The actor, Tyler Perry, 
homeless over 10 years ago hmm. before they found him. Didn't know he had theater in him. Didn't know he had plays in him. Didn't know he had movies in, and, 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 and a director was built inside of him hmm. on the streets. He had a call in his life. And God called him to be something great because he makes great stories about his life in general. But how can you take a talent like that from the streets and just use him? Denzel Washington, one of my homeboys from New York, didn't know him personally, but I just said homeboy because we were from the same town. He came from a broken home. Use of dad or whole nine yards. Denzel did not find soundness as far as a man until he met his wife. And if it wasn't for his wife and his mom and his mother-in-law, he even admits he would not even be here. See, when you look at these great people, you think, oh, they were rich. No, they weren't. No, they weren't. Look at my life. Told I would never amount to anything. Had a problem with anger as a child. They had to send me to Queens General Hospital to a shrink every week because I would beat up kids in school. I was mad. I would either get beat up or come back with a brick and knock another kid upside the head with it. I was wild. I was out of control. I should have been dead. Brought up in the bloods in Jamaica, Queens, and Brooklyn with my cousins, just running the streets, robbing people, crazy stuff, shooting people, throwing them in the Basie Park Pond, throwing them off buildings and stuff, crazy stuff. Drugs, selling all that. Did it all. 14 years old, partying, DJing in a club, pulling women 20, 21 years old, all these cougars. Running after a young buck like me. Crazy. I lived a fast life. I knew, I knew what was really going on at an early age. Mm. I learned too quickly. I matured too quickly. But I should have been dead. Had a gun put to my head nine times. Different times. In different situations that I got myself involved in. Never thought I could get out of the game three times, but God spared my life. Because you know once you're in the game, you stay in the game. You ain't going nowhere. You're either going to stay there and die, or you're going to take the bullet right there just for getting out of the game. I should have been under the prison. Most of the guys that's in prison, I should have been up under the prison. The things that I did. But God made it that I never got caught. And when I did get caught, he still spared me. I have to give grace. I should have been dead of diseases in my body. I should have been dead as a baby, polio baby. There was no cure for polio before 1960. Bless God, I was born in 60 because the polio vaccine was available. I shouldn't even have been here. Banded by his, my real mother and father. Aunt and uncle raised me. Black sheep of the family. Should have been jealous. Should have had offense. Tried to blame things on daddy. Tried to blame things on my uncle. But it was me that I had to look at. 
But there were certain aunts. There was a certain grandmother. And there was a certain spiritual mom that was praying for me. There's somebody praying for you in the situation that you're in right now. You may be struggling. You may be down and out. But God could call you to something great. Look what happened to these poor people at the end. Read the end of that thing, baby. Look what happened to some of these people that were struggling. Look what happened when they it came says, to the supper. Your order has been carried out, sir, but there is room for more. Hmm. So the master said to the servant, go out to the country roads and the lanes and make people come in so that my house will be full. I tell you that none of those who were invited will taste my dinner. The ones who turned them down. Turned them down. I'm not going to make it. The ones that came were used of God greatly. I never thought I would even be here. I would never thought I would have this business, retiring, beautiful wife, beautiful house, a truck, a van business, a transportation business. Had a trucking business for some time. I never thought I'd be here. I should have been dead. I went through so much. Do you think in a million years I would ever go back to the lifestyle I, li I lived? Even when I had the one foot in, one foot out with God? Even when y'all knew me in Baltimore? Even when y'all knew me in New York? Even when y'all knew me in Texas? Do you even think? All I was trying to do was settle down. You can't turn your back on God. I can't turn my back on God. Mm. If I turn my back on God, I'll die mm. sooner. But because I came to him, and because mm. now my back was up against the wall, I had no other place to go, like Peter said. We have no other place to go. So I had to start teaching this thing from what I studied and from what I experienced in my life. I'm not trying to sit here to be seen. And neither should you. Do it because you love God. Do it how God ever used you. Let him use you to the utmost. You people that are struggling, don't be afraid of your dreams. Don't be afraid to get up and go after what God has for you. Don't let people offend you and tell you that you can't make it. You can do this, man. You can do this. And I'm not talking to church folk. I'm talking to the masses. I love you so much. I should not have been here. And it hurts me to talk about this. And I'm crying with tears because I take life seriously. And so should you. The crack cocaine, I, I did it. For all you addicts out there, I'm not laughing at you. Been there 30 years ago. Why do you think I got false teeth in my mouth? Why do you think I'm wearing these? Because I smoked too much crack. It ate away at all my stuff. And I didn't even know my teeth was going to fall out. Last year. That teeth all the way up to last year. But all of this was smoke, from smoking back in the day. Yeah. I didn't take, I, I, I took care of my teeth. But I kept smoking and stopped. It eats away at your cells. 
This was over 30 years ago. But I only did it for one year. And when I got off it, I was in Miami, Florida. I went to the Miami Rescue Mission. I relapsed a couple of times. I know, I know, I know what you're going through. I know. And I know what that drug does. Put one of my cousins in the grave. Quick. When I did it, I was trying to kill myself anyway. Because I didn't think anybody loved me, anybody cared. And I was angry. I fought. I fought. I fought. I fought with the devil. And I said, devil, you're not taking my life. I'm more important than this. Holy Spirit, just right up in my room, I had a big brick in my hand, smoking it, just scraping it into the tube, just smoking it with the chalkboard. Think I don't know nothing about it. I used to do all that stuff back in the day. And the loud voice says, move out of your place. Get up and move out. And I obeyed the voice, and I gave my stuff to my ex-girlfriend. And I went and put myself in the Miami Rescue Mission in a group home. We're at, we're at. Two weeks after I left the place, the police raided my place for drugs. I was already gone. They couldn't find me. If I didn't listen to that voice, I probably would have been arrested. And a week before that, one of the drug dealers that I was dealing with had his throat cut from here to here because he had snitched on me. And that's what the Colombians told me down in Miami the ones I was working for, so-called trying to be slick, and had me a regular T IT job, faking the funk with the suit and the tie and the briefcase, nice Mazda 626, walking around, distributing drugs between the drug lords and the streets, taking back money to the drug lords. I was the middleman. So I had plenty of dope. Could have had all the money I wanted if I had stayed in the game. But I would have got caught eventually because someone snitched. But the Holy Spirit said, get up and get out of here. And I put myself in that group home for about six months. Relapsed a couple of times, but I managed to get another car, worked, got myself back up on my feet. And I said, I'm important. And I made myself important. And I never went back to that drug ever again. God had totally delivered me. And all they did was teach word of God, word of God, word of God, word of God, word of God against drugs in that Miami rescue mission. And I got restored back. Because I got to give everything up. And I had the nicest Louis Vuitton suits, Italian suits, Fellini. I had a slamming wardrobe before I went to that group home. And when I got ready to go there with my bags, they said, you can't have all those clothes. I'm going to tell you what made me so humble. Because I used to be real arrogant, high fashion, thought I had it great. Had nice tie. I had this red Italian blazer. It used to be my favorite. Baby blue one. Nice walking in. Females. And I, thought, I knew the females were looking at me. I was trying to Dressed to impress, like some of you dudes right now, trying to get a woman. Woman ain't studying you. Walked in places, woman's head would turn. Thought I had it going on. 
all of those suits, all of those slacks, those $100 pair of Pierre Cardin shoes, those uh, Brookshires, Brookshires, England, London, England, had them all, had to wear the shoes. Had a slam, shoes shiny, spit shiny. I mean, y'all got that military blood. Shoes got to shine, baby. Let me tell you something. I had to give it away. But guess who? The poor. The homeless. The people that were in that program that were trying to get off drugs. I had to give up all of my wardrobe. You don't know how mad I was. Offended. Hurt. God was humbling me. <laughs> God was humbling me. Huh? Show me you ain't all that. Sit your butt down. And I'm sitting all day. Every time I woke up, I walked past somebody in the child who had my vest on. And it's nothing I could do. Another guy had my slacks on. <laughs> yeah, baby. Baby. <laughs> Another guy had my hats. My pimp, I had these pimp hats. That you worked hard. That I worked hard for. But I, I hit rock bottom with the drugs and all my clothes had to go to the poor. That's what humbled me. I could tell you some stories and have you sitting at the edge of your seat. But until you change and look at yourself, you ain't going to. Until you're tired and sick and tired. Until you start hating the sin that you do. It can't change you. You got to get to the part where your back is up against the wall where you want to stop doing what you're doing. And you're done. And you love God more than anything. And you're willing to give it all up. To the pure, all things are pure. So when I get around a big boot, button, button, and smile, I don't even lust. The only one I lust after is the Lord Jesus Christ and my wife. And she'll tell you, I have no eyes for them. Don't care. Don't want them. I'm happily married to the Lord Jesus Christ and Lisa. And I can sit there around females. Don't bother me. Because you've got the cleavage. Don't bother me. You're not getting none of this. Even if, you, even, if, even if I wasn't married and knew Jesus. Can't mess around like that no more. Got a new mindset. Takes time to get there, brothers. But you got to mean it. The prophecy is this. You gotta get over offense. Or offense is gonna kill you. You gotta get over being offended, jealous, holding unforgiveness, holding bitterness in your life. Let me share a few scriptures with you. Matthew 26, 11. Read it, baby. 26, 11. Now I gotta take two step three and get out of here in a minute. What does it say? You will always have poor people with you. You'll always have people that are struggling around you. 
But you will not always have me. But you will not always have Jesus. Mark 14, 7. Says you will always have poor people with you, mm -hmm. and anytime you want to, you can help them, but you will not always have me. Hear what Jesus said. Now, this is two gospels. That's Matthew, that was Mark. Now, there's nothing in Luke about it, but check this out in John. Read it, baby. John. John 12 and 8. Says you will always have poor people with you, but you will not always have me. Mm -hmm. Now, did you notice Jesus emphasized that three times in the epistle in, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? And Paul talked about it, and Peter talked about it all through the epistles. But it was not even two references on money as far as paying tithes to a church. It says to give, yeah. To the ministry that's doing the work of God, yeah, it mentions that. But it never mentioned, except for in the Old Testament, to pay tithes to a church. I mean, New Testament, never mentioned. Now, there's a scripture in Hebrew chapter 7, verse 5. I want you to listen very carefully to this one. What does it say? And those descendants mm -hmm. of Levi who are priests mm -hmm. are commanded by the law to collect one-tenth from the people of Israel. Mm -hmm. That is, from their own people, mm -hmm. even though they are also descendants of Abraham. Mm -hmm. no. Even though they're descendants of Abraham. Mm -hmm. But it only was demanded by the Levites. Now, I understand. You're looking at me like I'm crazy. But the Bible says in Malachi, that was the Levites. I'm sorry I have to go there. It's okay, I'll give you 10, 20%. I'll give whatever I can give to the church as long as you're doing the work of the ministry. But if you're not doing the work of the ministry, I'm not giving you nothing. If I see you in missions, giving to the poor, helping people, I want to give to you. But if you're not, and you don't care nothing about them, I can't do you. You get what I'm saying? Tithes is for the Levites. But turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I think it's uh, about the cheerful giver. Let's see. Remember the person who plants few seeds will have small crop. Mm -hmm. The one who plants many seeds will have a large crop. Mm -hmm. You should each give then as you have decided, not mm -hmm. with regret or out of a sense of duty, for mm -hmm. God loves the one who gives gladly. Gladly. Okay, keep going. And God is able to give you more than you need God's so that you will always have all you need for yourselves mm -hmm. and more than enough for every good cause. As the scripture says, he gives generously to the needy. Uh-huh. So, see, he gives generous to who? To he the gives, needy. To, he gives generously to the big church? the needy. He gives generous to 
the big time ministry, the big time prophet that comes to town. To the needy. To hear a prophecy. The needy. Wait a minute. I, I got to find out where God's directed me. Where do I get my money to? Those in need. Oh, okay. What else does it say? His kindness lasts forever. And his kindness lasts forever. In other words, be consistent in doing that. Read on. What else does it say? And God who supplies seed for the sower. He will supply seed for the one that sows. Mm -hmm. And bread to eat. And the bread to eat. Will also supply you with all the seed you need. All the seed you need. And will make it grow and produce a rich harvest from your generosity. Will make it grow from what? From your Your generosity. I don't know that word. What that word mean? Generosity. Tell me, Lisa, what that word mean? That means giving generously above and beyond. Oh. Going above and beyond. Going the extra mile. But did it say anything about big church? No, it does not. It says the needy. So read on, baby. What else does it say? It says he will always make you rich enough to be generous. Oh, is that how I come rich? Give to the poor? Uh-huh, at all times. So that many will thank God for your gifts. Many will, th- many will thank God for your gift, but I never heard the pastor come back and thank me for giving him over 10 grand for the whole year. I just get a report and I have to go to, to the IRS and see if I can get some money back. But they never said thank you. They might send me a little letter, but they didn't personally come to me and say, thank you for your giving. I don't even know two people in my life that ever thanked me. My spiritual mother and my big brother. But most churches won't even acknowledge you. They don't care. If you're giving toward the lights or something that they need there or the ministry. Because really, it's not really being used for the purpose that they say it's going to be used for. But this scripture says what, baby? Read it. It says, he will always make you rich enough to be generous at all times. At all times. So that many will thank God for your gifts. So many will thank God. receive from us. That you receive from it. So if you give to the poor, God's going to make you rich. So you can have more seed to give to who? The poor. Didn't say nothing in there about you trying to go up in some church and always give, 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 give. Now, you have a normal offering. Yeah, fine. But all this extra stuff, pots, hand, hand around for, for, for what? You're not giving to no poor family. What's, what's the problem? Why you can't do what the word of God say do? The poor is more important. Understand that. What else does it say, honey? It says, for this service you perform not only meets the needs of God's people, mm-hmm. but also produces an outpouring of gratitude to God. Gratitude to God. God looks down at you. Man, you become the apple of God's eye. You think you was the apple before? He's going to lavish stuff on you, man. Because your heart is pure and you're right and you care about people. Like Jesus cared about people. Remember when Lazarus died and the Bible, the shortest scripture in the Bible said Jesus wept. See, a lot of you make fun of that scripture, but you don't understand the compassion and the love that he had for Lazarus and Martha and his family. He had to cry. Sometimes when I teach the word of God, I feel like 
Sometimes I have this burden to cry because I have a burden for people to be restored back to God. That's my ministry. And to be unified, to come together as a unified front for the kingdom of God to battle against the wiles of the devil. We have that authority. We have that strength. But you'll never know that until you come to Christ. Some of you haven't come back. I love you, but I got to tell you the truth. I got chapter six coming up, part six of this coming up. I love you guys. Me and Lisa got to get out of here. I'm going to keep coming back at you with little bits and pieces of this prophecy because we got to finish up this, this thing called offense. It's brutal. The devil's beating us up with it. Let me tell you something. You're young, right? Tell you a story. You're young. And when you were young, your parents or so-called people, they abused you. It said you would never amount to nothing. Then you become an adult. And you feel withdrawn can't talk to people. And you held that bitterness in you for a long time. That offense, you were offended. And they kept doing it from five to the age of 14, 15, 16. Or with somebody like an aunt and an uncle or maybe some of you were molested continually and beat down and told you were never nothing. Now you become an adult. So when somebody comes off at you, yells at you like they did and abuses you, you either withdraw and hold bitterness against them for a whole time. That is not your fault for holding the bitterness. But once you come to know Christ, Bitterness is cut off and ends right there. Some of you go off on people, like I used to. And you show them, hey man, you offended me. So the question is this. Are you going to make peace with that person and apologize? Or are they going to apologize to you? Or are you just going to go off and make a statement and you don't like people, period. And you make enemies easily. Some of you went through that lifestyle. Some of you were bullied as kids. And it hurt. But you never knew how to deal with that inner pain. Many get offended and give people the silent treatment. And will hold a grudge five, six years. You might even take it to the grave with them. Someone comes with constructive criticism. 
and they try to tell you the right thing. But because somebody hurt you in your past, and they may have not come to being criticism because they loved you, they were trying to tear you down. But this person really cares for you. You're blind to their love through their criticism. They're trying to help you. But that offended you what they said when they were trying to help you. Some of them try to bring back stuff. Some of you that are offended. You get to know a person. And you live with them a while, maybe marriage. Husband or wife tries to tell you something. Play tit for tat. But remember when you did this? Remember when you did that? But we weren't talking about that. We were talking about this situation. Spirit of offense. Don't want to hear what the other person has to say. Don't need to hear. Don't need to take advice. Because you know everything. But God has sent that person to you to try to get you back on track. But every time they come to try to tell you something, you put up your dukes like Mike Tyson ready to fight. Satan is trying to take you out. For your time. There are people that love you. There are people that are concerned about you. There are people that will reach out. And you know exactly who they are, but you avoided them because you thought they were just like the ones that actually hurt you. But they've been there for you all the time. Because they've been where you've been. That's why God sent them. You understand what I'm saying? They try to help you. But you took this conversation to an argument. You took them to a, such a bad argument, the person that tried to help you, you even got them offended on you. You're not wanting to forgive after you hurt them, after they tried to help you, and you the one went to them for advice. Got to clean that up, sisters. Got to clean that up, brothers. It's not going to work. Beginning of my marriage right here. Lisa had some issues. I had some issues. Yeah, we fought too for now. Yeah, happens in marriage. But I'm not talking about fighting like that. Fought with our mouths. A little bit of bitterness was in there. You know why the bitterness was in there? Not because of what I said. Not because of what she said. Because of what we went through before we met each other. And because we didn't know each other, we thought we were attacking each other. So we couldn't see. Right, baby? Correct. We couldn't see. Because we thought, Lisa's picking on me. Alan's picking on me. Just like they used to pick on me and it came back. So it made us feel less than what we were because we were always rejected people. Some, some of the ones that go into rejection, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of the ones that have been beat down as a kid and told you would never amount to nothing, you know exactly. The ones that ain't been through what we've been through, you can't identify. 
Now, some of you can. Maybe you're married to somebody that's been there. But I'm going to teach you how to be strong in this. But I'm going to leave that to the next episode in part six. <laughs> I love you guys, man. I love you guys. But a God kind of love. Enough to sit here and tell you my whole life story and not feel ashamed about it. And tell you that I'm here for a purpose. You're here for a purpose. God's called you. Don't run. Give your life to him. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. What you need to do is put on the whole armor, the whole gear. But most of you got to give your life up. You know what you got to do. And you ain't got to go to church to do it. You can do it right here. You can tell God right now, God, come into my life. Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I repent of all my sins because I know you're faith and just to forgive me of my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. You can do that in secret and God hears you. You got to show up from the church and so-called prophet, prophet liar. What's it? Evangelizer, apostolizer. And I'm not trying to make fun of the true prophets, okay? I'm not trying to make fun of the true apostles. I know some of you are listening. I'm talking about the ones out here playing church. Ain't the real deal. Because God's raising up a remnant in this last day. Small remnant of people. That's all he needs. Gideon, that's all he needs. Just 300 men. He rocked the whole world. All the disciples need was just a little bit of 3,000 saved people on the day of Pentecost. And they turned the world upside down. And out of that, people came from Spain. People came from Turkey. People came from Europe. People came from Italy. People came from all parts of the country for that name. The name that's above all name. Jesus. Yeshua Hamashiach. From the Hebrew and the Aramaic. I'll speak a little bit. That great name that every knee's gonna bow. Every tongue's gonna confess that name. And you if you heard the prophecy earlier this year, it's right around the corner, baby. That's seven and a half years. Three and a half years of tribulation. Christ may come back just right on that time, but we don't know. The days of thought like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. It's going to come in this lifetime, I can tell you that much. Because this is a miracle that I'm sitting here talking what I'm talking. I should have been up out of here. But I love you guys this much that you know. Give it to Jesus. I don't have to pray with you. I prayed with you already. You speak it for yourself on your own. Lord Jesus, come into my heart as my Lord and my Savior and forgive me of my sins. So do it. Find you a good church or find you a good ministry or somebody that knows what, maybe me. Send your prayer requests, whatever. We're not going to put your business out in the street. Me and Lisa, we're not, we don't do that. 
will restore and unify at gmail.com. That's restore and unify at gmail.com. Tune in to our station. We have a new podcast station with housegroupradio.com called Restore and Unify Radio. Check us out. The Word of God is being preached. I, I always put the postings up on Facebook. Go there. Listen to the Word. Get all you can in your spirit. Okay? Coming at you, baby. I love you guys. Listen to the music. It's multicultural. It's black, white, got country, got old-time gospel, got Latino, we got even African, we even got Caribbean gospel. But everything's video and audio capabilities. So sometimes you'll see videos, sometimes you'll see audios, sometimes you'll see my face in there giving me saying hi, giving you the presentation with my signal core army hat on from back in the day. Sometimes you'll see me with a B more shirt, sometimes you'll see me with a New York shirt. Sometimes you see me with a Michigan State shirt because my wife's a Michigan State fan. She's from Michigan, okay? So I got to go with the flow. She's going to hang me. <laughs> but I love you guys. And uh, stay strong, okay? Listen in on us. Tune in also to A-Train's Gospel Recording House Show each and every Saturday morning between uh, 8 and 7.30, maybe up to 9, maybe up to 10. I'll throw... Kick a couple of the gospel house mixes in there, a little bit of gospel music in there. Get you tuned up for the morning. Join me in the chat room, cup of coffee, www.housegrooveradio.com. And the station is on house, www.housegrooveradio.com forward slash restore dash and dash unify dash radio dot html. Join me. All right. I love you guys. I love you to life, okay? See you next week. When we come back to part six, we're going to try to finish this prophecy up. We still got money and sex to talk about. We're going to have some deep conversations about that, all right? Talk to you guys later. Love you all, man. All right? Peace. Peace.